You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Welcome to the Vineyard. My name's Rick Francis. I'm the pastor here. It's so good to have you with us today. Well, we're in Acts chapter 5. We have Ananias and Sapphira. You lie, you die. And uh, serious times. And as a result of that, uh, a fear, a, a, a holy awe was just released upon all the inhabitants around Jerusalem. And we find that uh, the believers, the early believers were really held in high regard. And so I, I want to pick up there just a little overlap because I only have, you know, 20, close to 30 verses to go through today. So I thought we needed a few more to get us started. Beginning of verse 12. The apostles performed many signs, wonders, and miracles among the people. And the believers were wonderfully united as they met regularly at the temple courts in the area known as Solomon's Porch. No one dared harm them, for everyone held them in high regard. You catch that? No one dared harm. Continually, more and more people believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Great crowds, both men and of great crowds of both men and women. In fact, when people knew Peter was going to walk by, they carried the sick out to the streets and laid them down on cots and mats, knowing the incredible power emanating from him would overshadow them and heal them. Great numbers of people swarmed into Jerusalem from nearby villages. They brought with them the sick and those troubled by demons, and everyone was healed. What do you call that? Revival. <laughs> we call that a revival with a capital R. We call that an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And, and with the ongoing outpouring of the Holy Spirit from the inception at the day of Pentecost, it continues over and over and over. And people become more intimately acquainted with God and understanding who Jesus is and understanding Old Testament scriptures and understanding that he is the Messiah. And as a result of that, the Messiah has pointed them to the Father. And the relationship with the Father is developing. And as they're growing, we find that miraculous power is just taking place. It not only saturates that little area of Jerusalem that they were part of, but it spread throughout the whole city. And then it got beyond just the whole city to all the villages and towns in the surrounding area. So much so that they would bring their sick and demonized people in from the towns and villages into Jerusalem, hoping that just Peter's shadow might fall upon them. I'm sure that uh, there was regular ministry taking place at the Solomon's porch and many, many people were finding freedom and salvation day after day. Their numbers continued to increase. So now let's look at today's passage. Verse 17, the high priest and his officials who formed the party of Sadducees became extremely jealous over all that was happening. So they had the apostles arrested, placed in chains and thrown into the jail. But during the night, the Lord sent an angel who appeared before them. He supernaturally opened their prison doors and brought the apostles outside. Go, the angel told them, 
Stand in the temple courts and preach the words that bring life. So early in the morning, they entered the temple courts and taught the people. The high priest and his officials, unaware of their supernatural release from prison, convened the members of the Supreme Council. They sent for the apostles to be brought to them from prison. But when the officers came to the prison cell, it was empty. They returned to the council and informed them, we found the jail securely locked and the guards standing by their cell, but when we opened the door, there was no one inside. <clears throat> when the captain of the temple guard and the leading priest heard this report, they were perplexed and at a loss what to make of it. Someone came and informed them, the men you put in prison are out there standing in the temple courts teaching the people. So the captain of the temple guard and his officers went to arrest them once again, but without using force, for they were afraid the people would stone them. When they brought them before the council, the high priest demanded an explanation saying, didn't we strictly warn you that you were never again teach in this name? But instead you have now filled all Jerusalem with this doctrine and are committed to holding us responsible for this man's death. Peter and the apostles replied, <clears throat> we must listen to and obey God more than pleasing religious leaders. You had Jesus arrested and killed by crucifixion, but the God of our forefathers has raised him up. He is the one God has exalted and seated at his right hand as our, champ as our savior and champion. He is the provider of grace as the redeemer of Israel. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God freely gives to all who believe in him. When they heard this, they were infuriated and determined to murder them. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a noted religious professor who was highly respected by all, stood up. He gave orders to send the apostles outside. Then he said to the council, men of Israel, you need to be very careful about how you deal with these men. Some time ago, there was a man named Thutis who rose up claiming to be somebody. He had a, he had a following of about 400 men, but when he was killed, all his followers were scattered and nothing came of it. After him in the days of the census, another man rose up Judas the Galilean, who got people to follow him in a revolt. He too perished and all those who followed him were scattered. So in this situation, you should just leave these men to themselves. For if this plan or undertaking originates with men, it will fade away and come to nothing. But if this movement is of God, you won't be able to stop it and you might discover that you were fighting God all along. <clears throat> Gamaliel's words convinced the council, so they brought the apostles back in and had them severely beaten. They ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus and then let them go. The apostles left their rejoicing thrilled that God had considered them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. And nothing 
stop them. They kept preaching every day in the temple courts and went from house to house, preaching the gospel of Jesus, God's anointed one. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the history. We thank you for the inspiration. We thank you for the, all the purposes with which you had this recorded and brought to us even yet this morning. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to receive with full understanding the wonderful testimony of the apostles concerning the Lordship of Jesus. For we ask it in his name. Amen. So here in the context, we have everybody just revering the new believers. The apostles were, were held in high esteem. There was, there was just a, a sense of awe about what was happening in the early church. And guess what? Somebody got jealous. Isn't it amazing what jealousy would do? Oh, wow. They were so jealous that now all of Jerusalem is focusing on Jesus through the ministry of the apostles and the early believers. And the religious rulers are just upset. So the high priest and the Sadducees, they gather together and they have them arrested in the temple courts. Where are they at? They're at Solomon's Colonnade. That's where they went every day. That's where they taught. That's where they preached. That's where they prayed. That's where they ministered to one another. <clears throat> and so they knew right where they would be. They go there, they have them arrested. So what, what, what kind of arresting? They're extremely jealous. They have them arrested. They're placed in chains. Can you believe that? You could have put the apostles on house arrest. They weren't going anywhere. As a matter of fact, they'd get up the next morning as we find in the scriptures, even from jail, they're back at it in Solomon's colonnade, teaching and preaching about Jesus. Placed in chains so they can't get out and thrown into jail. Okay, trying to humiliate, trying to shame, trying to say, you remember what we did with Jesus? Guess what, buckos, you're next. And so as they're trying to put a fear, a spirit of fear upon them, it doesn't work. The Lord notices the situation, so what's he do? Oh, let's see, anybody in the court of angels wanna go down and bail these guys out? Mm-hmm. So the Lord sends an angel who appears before them. <clears throat> I like that. Do you like it when angels appear before you? Have you seen them? I'm trying, haven't seen them yet. Last night I came over here to work on my PowerPoint and get the scriptures and get all that ready so you can read while I'm talking. And as I was doing that, I came in and just was singing to the Lord here in the sanctuary, just having a great time, realizing that there's always gonna be an invitation to kind of move to the next level of intimacy with the Lord. And all along, I've been, I've been sensing that he said, your next level of intimacy with me is going to be one that will involve the expression of dancing. O-M-G. I'm saying, Lord, it was against the religious laws that I was brought up for us to dance. And especially as men, real men don't dance. So I, I had this little struggle years ago. It's not a struggle now. So as I came in here and as I sing into the Lord and I was just going back and forth, this is, by the way, if you ever just want to get in the stream, it's right up here. 
It's just amazing. And so I'm going back and forth, singing to the Lord, having a wonderful time, and all of a sudden I, I catch myself dancing. And I'm dancing before the Lord, and I'm doing some kind of two-step, three-step, I don't know what it is, but I could feel his pleasure. I could feel him smiling and said, I like that. So I just kept it up. And before I left the sanctuary last night, I was just enjoying the presence of the Lord. And I'm very mindful on occasion that there's angels. And I realized I wasn't dancing alone last night. I had some angels that were dancing with me. I didn't see them. Oh boy. But while I was there, the hair on my arm looked like static electricity had just hit me. And I could feel just an incredible sense of their presence, presence of the Lord and the presence of the angels. And so I was just thinking, have you ever, you know, it cracks me up. We thank our servicemen, we thank our firemen, we thank our police officers. What about those that have been sent to serve and minister to Abraham's children? They are ministering spirits that are, their, their purpose is to, to take what the Father is, his purpose is down on earth and to serve us by releasing whatever it is that the Father gives them to release. And, to, and I just thought, so I'm there and I'm just saying, I know you guys are here. I know there was more than one. I, I know definitely my protector angel was here. So I, I was thinking, I just I want to thank you for your service to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I just want to thank you for the ways that you've protected me from myself and from evil that was coming after me. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being you. Thank you for coming and, and serving Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so I just had a, a little gratitude for the angels. Now before my Bible thumpers get real hysterical. I did not worship an angel. Okay? There was no worship of the angel. John's already taught us that when he falls down in front of an angel and they say, no, 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 not us, the lamb. And, and so we, we know we don't worship angels, but it's okay to acknowledge them and to thank them. You think that's true? Let's do that right now. I want you to just take a second right here in the middle of the service and thank the angels that have been assigned to you. Everybody's got one. Some of us have more than one. Thank the angel, the angels for what they've done, how they protected. Father, we worship you. Lord Jesus, we worship you. Holy Spirit, we worship you. We thank you that within your holy community, you have those who have been created to serve and to adore and to worship you and to pronounce holy, 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 holy is the Lord. We thank you for these incredible beings, these creatures that you have made and that you have sent them to us and that they have come and that they have served. Even as we see in this scripture today, the activity that is angelic. And we just want to say thank you for serving us and protecting us. Thank you for all the things that we don't even understand that you've done, that you've done. And we just want to say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
So there's the angel. He supernaturally comes into the prison. He opens the doors. He brings the apostles outside and he tells them to go and stand in the temple courts and preach the words that bring life. Now that's a pretty good encounter, I would say. That's, that's, a, that's a close encounter of the heavenly kind. Come on, Jesus. And when I look at that, I just think, man, these angels are amazing. In an account later, I think it's in Acts 12, we find that uh, the angel is, is there releasing Peter and the chains come off. We don't get it recorded here, but we're told that they were, they were put in chains and they're in the prison and they're watched and they're locked and how they do it, it didn't tell us on this side. But the angel knew how to navigate and in the spirit realm, release the kind of activity that got them out of their chains, brought them out of the prison cell, whether they, well, yeah, brought them out of the, we'll just leave it at that. They brought them out of the prison cell and brought them to the outside and then gave them instruction to go and stand and to proclaim the words that bring life. I love that. Proclaim the words that bring life. Mm, preach it. What are the words that bring life? I'm making you think this morning, aren't I? You're used to just kind of, you should be half asleep by now, but you're, you're, you got to think. What are the words that bring life? Any rhema word from the Lord that comes to you, the rhema word of the Lord is the word that comes right now. We, 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 we take the Holy Scriptures and, and that's the logos. That's, that's the written word. But the rhema word consists of all the words of the Father, of which the written word records the rhema words. But as we, as we receive a, a word that comes, it's a, it's a word for right now. That's why prophetic ministry, prophetic utterances, when we get prophecies from one another, when we encourage one another, it's so powerful because it's what the Lord's saying right now. You know, we know a lot of things because we've read them and we believe them and we've had them in our heart. But when the Lord speaks a right now word, it releases life. Anytime you're speaking what the Holy Spirit is speaking, when you're speaking what the Father's speaking, when you're speaking what Jesus is speaking to another person, you are bringing life. You're releasing life. So let's, let's release life. So there's the prison cell. We have all the stuff that goes on. The religious Sanhedrin, the council, is totally clueless to what's happened. The high priest gets everybody convened. And now that they're ready, they have their coffee, the bailiffs all in place, everybody's decently in an order. And now they're ready, now go get the prisoners and bring them here and we will grill them because they're jealous. So they go to the prison cell, it's empty. They return to the counselor and they inform them. We found the jail securely locked, the guards standing by their cell, but when we opened the door, there was no one inside. Now, can you imagine what's happened to the religious people? Not again. An empty, we had an empty tomb. Now we have an empty jail and we had them in chains and there was soldiers guarding them. What's going on here? What is this thing about emptiness? 
that keeps coming to the ones whose hearts are empty. Well, they're perplexed. They're at a loss as to what to make of it. They can't figure it out. And then some poor soul comes in and says, oh, by the way, you know those guys you arrested last night? They're over at the temple and they're preaching and teaching the people right there in the temple courts. So what do they do? They send the temple guard. Here comes the temple guard. Arrest them again for the second time. But this time they're very careful. Can you imagine? What would it be like to arrest the apostles right as they're telling the good news about Jesus and a demon is just being uh, removed from the premises out of somebody's life and someone with an illness is just getting healed and there's all sorts of wonder and people are coming into intimate relationship with God and now the temple police show up and arrest the ones who are the ones that God is using to release his kingdom activity in the earth. So they gotta be very careful because they're afraid of the people. And it sounds like these Hebrew Jews are kind of highly temperamental. They like to rock people. It's called stoning. And uh, I'm sure as they were coming through, they were looking to see how many stones were around the area and they were careful and they did it without any harshness and they led they led them back before the council so i love this the high priest now that he's on his playing turf he says we demand an explanation Uh uh-oh you know who's going to speak up until now it was peter and john that was getting all this dynamic now it's all the apostles. So you realize there could be 12 of them right there. And Peter's the one that speaks up, of course. And here's what the, the demand for an explanation. Didn't we strictly warn you that you were never again to teach in this name? Uh, Did you not hear us? But instead, You have now filled all Jerusalem with this doctrine. They've conceded once again, just like they did when Jesus was here. The whole city, the the whole world's going after Jesus. And now they see that you filled this doctrine of Jesus and the resurrection. It's filled Jerusalem. And you're committed to holding us responsible for this man's death. That might be a, a little hint for Peter to be careful how he responds. Because we've seen in everything that's been before this, every time Peter gets a chance, he lets the people know that you're the ones that cried out that he be crucified. You're the ones that cried out. He doesn't doesn't sugarcoat anything. So Peter and the apostles reply, we must listen to and obey God more than pleasing religious leaders. Now turn to your neighbor and say, we've got to listen to and obey God more than pleasing religious leaders. You got to hear from me, but you got to hear from your neighbor. You got to know that. So if God tells you to do one thing and I tell you to do another thing, who are you going to listen to? 
and hurt my feelings? Absolutely. <laughs> you always listen to God. Always listen to God. You are the one that gives account for the choices and decisions that you make. I can get deluded, as many religious leaders have been deluded. Listen to God. We have to. Then, there he goes, Peter. How to influence people and win friends. He hadn't had the Del Carnegie class yet. You had Jesus arrested and killed by crucifixion. Oh, who's grilling who now? <laughs> who's on trial? But the God of our forefathers has raised him up. He is the one God has exalted and God seated at his right hand as our champion and as our savior. NIV says, Prince, our savior and prince. Yeah, wow. He is the provider of grace as the redeemer of Israel. NIV says, he's the one that gives repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. God has chosen his one and only son and the incredible work that Jesus did when he came upon the earth, the humility, the righteousness that he lived in, the way he taught and healed and demonstrated the king, the kingdom of God, and released the power and the authority that was given to him to the earth. Crucified and on the third day resurrected, <laughs> appearing for over 40 days, various times. Huh. To over more than 500 people on one occasion. And then ascended to heaven, the right hand of the Father. And it doesn't stop. And then he released the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And it's been game on ever since. Mm -hmm. So Peter and the apostle says, we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God freely gives to all who believe in him. I love the NIV a little bit more than the Passion at this point. The Holy Spirit is given to those who obey him. When we obey what the Lord is telling us to do, we can be 100% guaranteed that the Spirit of the living God is going to come right alongside of us as we seek to fulfill what the Lord has told us to do, as we seek to obey his word, the Holy Spirit always comes. And as he does, he empowers us, he anoints us, he gives us what we need in the moment. That's why I, I, I don't want us to get bent out of shape of what gift I have and then say, since I have this gift, I don't have the other gifts. No, I believe that every one of us has access when we are in Holy Spirit, we have access to every gift that the Holy Spirit wants to give in that occasion, in that moment, for that season. Uh, we may have some gifts that we flow in naturally, supernatural all the time, but whatever the occasion calls for as we're obeying the voice of the Lord, we can be assured that the accompanying presence and power and authority of the Holy Spirit will be with us and we can go without fear. 
<sighs> I love it. He is the provider of grace. Hmm. What kind of response do you think that had on the Sanhedrin? They were irate. They were furious. They wanted to murder them right there. Imagine if they could have got their hands around their throats, they would have tried to choke the life out of them. They were so angry, they were determined to murder them. But God always has my favorite divine conjunction, but a Pharisee named Gamaliel, hmm, he realizes the situation is going to get super ugly. And he says, uh, apostles, would you please step outside? Guards, take the apostles. And so they leave. He gives two examples of Thaddeus and Judas, the Galilean, two men that, that brought revolution, revolts, have gathering of people following, but it wasn't the Lord. And when the leader died, they all just left. Well, that's what they thought they'd done with Jesus. They even prophesied, it's better that one man die for the nation than that the whole nation. And, and so now here, here they are, and Camillo is going back. He cites these two accounts. He leaves Jesus out. That was probably wisdom on his part. That might've just infuriated them a little bit more. And as they, as they realize that, he says, just leave these men to themselves. For if this plan or undertaking originates humanly, if it's of men, it will fade away and come to nothing. You don't have to worry about it. It's died. Leaders die and these fads come and go. But if this movement is of God, you won't be able to stop it. He's prophesying what's just ready to follow in another verse or two. You can't stop it if it's of God. Try all you want, you can't stop it. And you might discover that you're fighting God all along. Oh. I've been meditating on some of this stuff. Some of the stuff that the Holy Spirit births in your life that gets you in trouble. You continue to remain faithful and humble and follow and you will find that the Lord knows how to exonerate he knows how to, to work even through the difficulties that you may have experienced. So Gamaliel's word convinced the council. So they brought the apostles back in. Didn't convince them quite enough for my satisfaction. Because <laughs> there they get flogged. <clears throat> They're severely beaten. We've seen the passion of the Christ. We know what a flogging looks like. It's, it's, it's horrible. It leaves it out whether it was an official 39 or whether it was just, uh, just a severe beating, but they were beaten. And then they had the audacity to order them never again to speak in the name of Jesus. In one ear, out the other. Yeah, that did not, that did not connect. And they let them go. They let them go. So what's the posture of the apostles? They leave rejoicing. 
Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what the council's doing? I wonder if they stood around and watched the flogging. I wonder if they, they were witnesses of it. And if they were, then once the flogging had ended and they're released, hearing the apostles leave, rejoicing. Just rejoicing in the amazing goodness of God. I, I think if I'd have seen them rejoicing, I think I would have had a clue that they probably were not going to continue to uh, adhere to the command to not preach or teach in the name of Jesus. They were absolutely thrilled that God had considered them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. This is something that we are kind of viewing from a distance. Hardly ever do we experience this kind of physical suffering for the name of Jesus. But when they did, they remembered that the Lord said, if they treat me this way, they'll treat you that way. You know, the servant isn't above the master. And if they, if they treat the master this certain way, they're going to treat you that way too. The disgrace for the name of Jesus. And then the, the top, the title of today, and nothing, nothing stopped them. Nothing stopped them. Fear, intimidation, physical suffering, nothing stopped them. They kept preaching every day in the temple courts. So they kept going to Solomon's Colonnade. That was their hangout. And that's where the people knew that they would meet the apostles and hear the teachings of Jesus and receive the ministry of Jesus. And then they went from house to house. And so now it's not just staying at the, at the corporate expression, but now it's going out house to house. And we knew that they were fellowshipping from house to house and breaking bread and having communion together in house to house kind of situations. But now they're going house to house preaching, <laughs> preaching the good news that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, preaching the gospel of Jesus, God's anointed one from house to house. There is so much in this passage of scripture that the, that the Holy Spirit will be moving in our hearts throughout the year, helping us understand that one, when we have a fear inside to speak up for Jesus, that's an opportunity to invite the presence of the Lord to come in and minister to those areas of fear and anxiety. I've been going after anxiety now for a couple weeks with a serious assault. The same assault that I'm going after cancer, I'm going after anxiety. I want to see God's people free from being anxious. Because anxiousness, the anxiety, the spirit of fear, the spirit of anxiety, whatever it is, all of those things are used to destroy our belief in the living Jesus and the power of the Most High. When I find myself getting anxious, I realize that the Holy Spirit's given me an opportunity to invite presence at another level in my life that I've never known. And when you start suffering and things start getting really, really difficult in the circumstances of life, that is the time to open that part of your heart that becomes fearful and afraid and allow God to do what only he can do. 
to release his presence inside our heart to take away the fear, the anxiety, so that the enemy has nothing that he can lay claim to, nothing that he can manipulate, nothing that he can go after and, and cause us to shrink back. The church never shrank back. It continued to go forward and forward and forward. Seasons of peace, seasons of persecution, it was still always moving. Why? Because fear had no place in the life of the early believer. Fear had absolutely no place. And when it did, they received, they received the anointing. They received the presence of God and the work and the manifestation of the resurrected one. He's already given us the example. When I look at what Jesus, the kind of suffering that he went through physically, emotionally, spiritually, I realize that he is the one that can sustain me under anything that I absolutely go through, whatever I experience. He is more than enough. <laughs> That's why he has Paul write to us and said, we are more than conquerors. We are overcomers. And that that is what we have in Christ. So today I want us to go after anxiety. I, nothing's gonna stop. Nothing's gonna stop the proclamation of the good news, the words of life. Not our fear, not our anxiety, not our confusion, not our disappointment, not anything that the enemy would try to use to manipulate us, to cause us to think, well, maybe I ought to sit this one out, you know, and just take a back seat and I'll let Debbie drive. No. It's always time to say, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm afraid. We're, we're absolutely got to live in truth. We've got to live in honesty. I'm afraid, but I know that your strength is greater than my fear, that your perfect love casts out all fear. And right now I'm anxious, so I'm going to cast all my anxieties upon you because I know that you care about me. How does he care about you? He may remind you that you have an angel. He may remind you with his presence. He may bring back his promises, his words, his rhema words to you, prophetic words that were spoken to you to bring back to remembrance all that he said was true about you and about him. And as he does that, we get a chance to just repent, repent. There is a sweetness in repentance that I've never known until this year. And the sweetness of repentance is, Lord, I want to repent at all times. When you show me what it is, actually he's put something, he'll, he'll put something of his spirit upon you that even before he shows you what it is, your heart will be in a posture of, Lord, if there is anything that's unpleasing to you, it's not so much that I'm obeying the letter of the law. If there's something that I'm doing, if there's an attitude that I have, if there was an expression that I had that was not pleasing to you, he gives us a heart posture and desire to say, Lord, show me what that is. Now he's faithful. This morning he took me back to an incident in the last week where I wasn't as kind as I could have been. And he brought it to my remembrance and he was showing me what I was doing and he was helping me connect the dots. And I realized in that moment, there was a place in my heart 
where shame comes in. And when shame comes in, I don't trust him. And I try to use strength, but it's in the natural. It can be like, I'll dominate or I'll control or I'll try to come upon and I'll try to put things back where they belong. And it's like, that's not my job. I need to put what belongs in me in right place, but I can't put what's in others in right place. And so I, I, I found that he, he, he did that. And when he did it, it was so sweet. It was so wonderful. He, he gave me a dream and, and he, showed, he was showing me some of the things that needs to be attended to. I think he'll do that for every one of us. It's not that I'm special. It's not that he is partial to bald-headed preachers. <laughs> he loves every one of his kids, all his sons and all his daughters. He loves completely. And if you, if you are stuck and fear and anxiety keeps you behaving in ways that when, when they manifest, you realize, oh, I should have done that differently. That probably caused some pain. That probably caused some pain. He'll bring you back and he'll show you. And he'll show you a better way. I've asked him, Lord, how would you have written the script differently? Now, when, when, when I do that, sometimes he doesn't answer because in the natural, I'll say, okay, I'll get my program and I'll make sure that the next time I'll get my, my scanners going and I won't, I won't make the same mistake twice. But that's leaving it all upon me to make sure that I get it right rather than being able to trust that the next time it happens, I've submitted, the Holy Spirit has done the work in my heart and that out of that real-time reality, the Spirit will help us navigate those situations so that we don't do harm, so that we bless, and we, and we don't hurt. And I just thought, Lord, you are so good. No doubt. So good. Amen. So as the worship team comes and plays, I just want you to take a, a time to invite the Holy Spirit to show you anything that he's addressing, particularly in, in the area of, of what makes you anxious. What is it that you're afraid of? How is the enemy using that? Some of the things that you think are just you is probably not you. I, I've always proclaimed that I have a fear of heights. I'm just afraid of heights. And I don't like snakes. I have a fear of snakes. Oh, I don't like snakes. And, and all this kind of stuff. And those are some of the natural things that I've just watched over time that I just prefer not to be around. But you never know what the Lord wants to do when he goes down into our hearts to remove fear and anxiety about whatever it is. Those are some bizarre things. Phobias, there may be some things that, that are in your life that he wants to address because he doesn't want anything to restrict or limit any one of his kids from being everything that he's created us to be and doing everything that he's called us to do. He wants us to fulfill our divine purposes here on planet Earth. So let's stand and join the worship team and just worship the Lord. Give the Holy Spirit full access to our body, our spirit, our soul, and uh, let him come and do what only he can do.
as you're aware that there's something, you, you, you don't have to wait until the song's done. Just invite the Holy Spirit to go to that area of your life, your heart, your mind, your memory, your thought, whatever it is, give him access to and let him do what he wants to do inside of you. Then as you come to the end of the song, if you want to receive prayer, feel free to come forward. If it's an issue of fear or anxiety, or if it's a physical issue, feel free to come. We'll be happy to pray with you. God bless you as we worship. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.